Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's Extraordinary Etiquette. For Ordinary Occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. I'm sorry that you are now feeling under the weather. Yes. It seems that we we traded colds. We did. We did. Uh, I'm floating around in my head somewhere. Uh, but you know what matters? What? Content. Content. <laughs> Content. You got to put the con. No. You know, we, uh, we don't just make this show for fun. It is fun to make. But we know that there are people who are like, I need trainers to feel. And so that's why <laughs> we put this out every week. Uh, happy uh, holidays to everybody. Um, the holiday season, in my mind, has officially begun. Now, finally. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the holiday season. I, it doesn't start with Halloween? No, that's its own private. I'm not going to lump that in. Oh, okay. No. The holiday season is more, for me, mm-hmm. that feeling from Thanksgiving to, uh, like, January 2nd that you have during the day of just, like, increase, at least for me, it's this feeling of uh, everything is simultaneously incredibly hectic and uh, panicky, but also very fun and kind of oh, nice <laughs> everybody oh it's great we're all thinking about something else well we are a big thanksgiving house around here not because it's the celebration of thanksgiving but because travis loves to cook i do loves to host we love to feed people i, I it's funny because i was talking with alice today and she was like there's just so much stuff like on top of holiday i'm like yeah absolutely i don't care about all that it's that i get to it's like a day where uh, people have to come eat all the food that you make. <laughs> and that's it for me, man. I would do it any day. Excuse for food. This is just a day where it's just like, of course, what else are you going to do? So and I, Travis, I like to make you stuff. always over, over make. You over buy. No, but see, this is where you're wrong. Because on any other day, you would be correct. But this is why I like the idea of eating holidays. Uh, which... Well, you know, it's not a holiday, mind you, but like a Super Bowl party, right? Okay. Or something like that, where it's just like, you don't want to get there and be like, yeah, this is just enough stuff. Like, that's not how that works. That's just dinner, right? (laughs) A regular dinner is like just enough food. The idea of an eating holiday is like a feast. It's a feast day, right? They are having what BB is calling, uh, what they have... They're calling at school a Thanksgiving feast. This is the thing, babe. And you know, uh, I rarely will put my foot down about you being wrong about something. Because normally it's like, well, I feel very right in this, but my rightness is wrong. Where this is one where I love you, but you are wrong. um, Because I don't think you can make too much on Thanksgiving. Because... Uh, like that it's a feast day once again if if someone said i'm throwing a feast and you rolled up and it was like and here's your portion and here's your portion <laughs> and that's it you're like mm, i don't think that was a feast right oh uh, yes thank you yes that is true but i also will say i get i get verklempt about all of the the extras and the the anxiety. But it the... also doesn't go to waste. Okay, here's the other thing. I also will then continue to make different things out of those leftovers for that is true. days afterwards. Also, one more thing, because it is a very privileged position to be talking about being able to make so much food in a land where it is but I, you know, a very successful country on the surface, and yet there are plenty of people living here in the U.S. with food insecurity and people experiencing homelessness. So we also do every year, I dollar for dollar donate whatever I spend on ours to the food bank. 
bank, yes. which I recommend everybody do and just give to food banks in general during this time and any shelters that exist during this time. So I also recognize anything that, that you can give yeah. during this time, especially um, because there are so few resources around. Um, if you can't give dollar for dollar, a, a small donation is just fine. But like, you know, it's important to also include the people who are food insecure Correct. in our holiday festivities. So it's the day after Thanksgiving. We're just to the side of Thanksgiving. Ah. Ah. So what are we talking about? We are talking about side dishes. Uh-huh. Um, first, what are what are your favorite sides you want to tell the people? Porridge, gruel, <laughs> a crust of bread. Uh, I like a thin broth. Um, no, for real. Okay. My, what are my favorite? Ah, so... I don't know that I'll say favorites, but I will say it would not be Thanksgiving without this thing. Okay. Um, so uh, I make my mom's version of sweet potato casserole. Mm-hmm. That, which I think was included in the Max Fun book. I believe at so. some point. Um, and rather than being topped with like marshmallows and stuff, it's topped uh, with well, our version is macadamia nuts and stuff because BB can't do uh, walnuts and such. Uh, but like crushed macadamia nuts, uh, and uh, you know, like brown sugar, it straddles candied nuts. Yeah, but I don't want to make it sound too sweet because it's not really that. So it straddles a line between like feeling like a dessert and feeling like a, a dinner side. Mm-hmm. So like, but without that, it wouldn't feel like Thanksgiving to me. Okay. Um, of course, mashed potatoes. Of course. Ob- yeah, obviously. Just picture a Thanksgiving plate without mashed potatoes or like a roll or some kind of bread and it feels weird. I also have started doing like Brussels sprouts every mm-hmm. year and mm-hmm. that really feels like one yeah. to me. That's a very British holiday thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they love the Brussels sprouts. Um, and I think one of my favorite sides, now this is not actually a family tradition. Do you remember back when our family was just the two of us? Yes. And we used to do Friendsgiving. Yeah. Our friend Molly made this delicious uh, sausage and sage dressing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was so good. That was my favorite for years and years and years. Maybe I should get that recipe But see, the reason I can't answer the question of what's my favorite is like one of the reasons I like hosting Thanksgiving is like all – the answer is all All of of them them. (laughs) because I also like – I also have a hard time picturing Thanksgiving without like – I got one of those like frozen shrimp trays from – uh, you know, like from Kroger that you can dip in that comes with the sa- the sauce right there. And like, oh, yeah, I did bacon wrapped smokies and stuff like that. It's like. Yeah, those are all the little extras that you you love for the holiday. It's um, all, man, green bean casseroles in there. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that one. It's I'd, all great. I would like to select a few. Gravy, um, stuffing, <laughs> dressing. Oh, uh, I do not believe in stuffing. Well, so this is a thing because there are people for whom the term is interchangeable. Right. And there are people for whom think of it as two very different things, right? Because I know that technically stuffing is what's cooked inside the bird and dressing is cooked on the side. And the recipes are very similar, in fact. Right. But I grew up just calling it stuffing no matter right. what. And it was never cooked inside the bird. And I still don't think of it that way. But I still call it stuffing because mm-hmm. when I think of dressing, because of salad dressing, I actually picture stuff like gravy more oh. when I think of dressing because I think of like a liquid. That's a you thing. I Hey, this is where yeah. I know that feeling right <laughs> is wrong. This is a great example of that. 
let's take the history of stuffing, which, like we said, stuffing is cooked inside the bird. Um, and then later on, we'll do dressing. Um, the quote, first Thanksgiving, uh, probably took place in 1621. Um, but stuffing as we know it is not like a thing that goes that far back. Um, it didn't actually appear in American cookbooks until the late 18th century. Uh, so that's way after that, right? The first recipe for any kind of stuffing uh, shows up, I mean, traditional, uh, uh, quote, American stuffing, uh, shows up in Amelia Simmons' book, American Cookery in the late 1700s. Historically... By the way, cookery, we need yeah, to bring, we we need need to bring back... Like the uri, you know, this is the rookery, you know, <laughs> and I, I, we do cookery. We don't use that. Crockery. We don't use that, you, uh, that suffix. Yes, yes. We don't use that suffix enough. Um, the Puritans. Uh, Boo. They didn't even have bread-based stuffing. They probably did not like even consider that. Be- they, I boo them from every direction. Z- zero fun. I have yet to hear a thing about a Puritan and be like, well, we do agree on that point. <laughs> they probably filled the birds that they ate with um, herbs and nuts. Um, but the other thing that they probably would have put in there were oysters. Okay. Now, there is oyster dressing or oyster stuffing, um, but that's a that's a pretty New England-y thing yeah. still. Well, for a large chunk of U.S. history, when we talk about the U.S., we're basically talking about that, New that's England. That's true. That's where the settlers, the colonizers lived, uh, right? So, and those are the people who wrote the history books. Um, and so it was, it was a great way— to stretch the fowl a little bit to, you know, make sure that everybody got a big portion of, quote, meat, right? Um, See, I assume that it was uh, originated from, like, cooking with aromatics of just, like, well, it will help flavor the bird and you put the stuff inside of it. And because that is the thing with put, like, you know, I have from time to time when roasting a chicken or roasting a turkey or whatever, put, like, a lemon in there and, like, you know, sage and thyme and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. Because if I put it on the outside, it's going to burn, right? right? But I put it in there and it's going to season it, especially, you know, roasting it for a long time. It's going to season it from the inside out. Right. Um, but that is, that's something that came a lot later. Oh, Okay. Uh, the next thing is cranberry sauce is a big Not a deal fan. around too Thanksgivings. Too tart. Well, the indigenous people, especially in the New England area, um, long raised and ate berries, especially cranberries. Um, and it was, again, Amelia Simmons' book, American Cookery, suggested that they be served with the turkey. Now, here's the thing about cranberries that I feel. Mm-hmm. Many berries, be it the blue, the rasp, the black, <laughs> they feel like berries that desperately want to be eaten so that their seeds may be, uh, you know, distributed and fertilized. Okay. The cranberry, with its flavor, feels very <laughs> much like it would rather not be eaten or at best is ambivalent. It feels kind of more like medicine. Yes. Doesn't a it? A cranberry does not seem like it desires to be eaten. A cranberry is like, well, if you're going to eat me, it's going to be rough on both of us. Yeah. Uh, Amelia actually suggested that if you don't have cranberries available, you should use pickled mangoes. 
No. Which they don't sound even like, I mean, I guess pickled is like the tart part or sour part, but like. But Amelia, what about the option of just not then? Where are you going to get pickled mangoes in Colonial Williamsburg? I don't know. Well, I bet. It was easier to find pickled mangoes than fresh mangoes. Than fresh mangoes, as far as the scale goes. Um, And so it has been a staple, um, but until more like about 100 years ago, you couldn't even buy them fresh unless you lived near like a cranberry bog. Oh, hence that one episode of Bob's Burgers. Exactly. And... (laughs) He gets very excited. Very excited. That wasn't even a joke, just a reverend. You giggled thinking about Bob's Burgers. I know, I know. Uh, And even then, fresh cranberries were available for a very short period during the year. Um, And that all changed with Marcus L. Oran. He was a lawyer um, that changed the cranberry, like, Industry forever. Wait, was he a lawyer for cranberries? He argued to get them into every juice on the market? He founded... Ocean spray. Ah, so yes. Yeah. And not as direct as I pictured, <laughs> but yes, he forced everybody to drink cranberries, whether <laughs> That's they right. like it or whether not. they like it or not. And here's the thing. I mean, if you want to sell cranberries, you have to figure out a way to, like, enhance or change the product enough because so that like, people will so that people will eat it <laughs> people can eat it year round especially oh, okay. right so a lot of cranberries that come out of the bog especially when they're harvested by machine are not perfect beautiful berries right a lot of them end up crushed or mangled or gashed or or whatever it is they're not perfectly beautiful berries and but how so many of us are canning oh yeah Canning or jellying these berries made it so much easier to distribute them widely and keep them year-round. And so he was the one who thought of the jellied log, right? Um, And, you know, I mean, obviously this was not at the, quote, first Thanksgiving. It It wasn't even at the Thanksgiving that Abraham Lincoln sanctioned, right? Um, It didn't come along until 1941, but everybody really, really seemed to love it because five million gallons of it are enjoyed each holiday season. Not for me. If Not it for is you. for you, so be it. <laughs> but you know what it is for us? What? Taking a break for a word from some other Max Fun shows. Manolo, guess what? Manolo, guess what? What, what, what? Dr. Game Show has made it to 100 episodes on Maximum Fun. Oh, that's true. I knew that. Well, to celebrate, we are releasing our entire Earwolf archives to Max Fun members. That's anyone who gives $5 or more monthly to support podcasts like Dr. Game Show. That's 63 episodes with in studio comedian guests like Jason Manzukas, Bowen Yang, and Matt Rogers, Joe Para, Todd Berry, and Janine Garofalo, Connor O'Malley, Chris Guthrie and more. Plus three bonus episodes that include two pilot episodes. Wow, two pilots must be good. Find the feed at MaximumFun.org slash BOCO B-O-C-O. Stands for bonus content. Mm-hmm. Presenting the new MaxFunStore.com We've got shirts for your torso, hats for your head, drinkware for your finest beverages, and so much more. Starring your favorite Max Fun shows with new and classic designs. 
Find the perfect gift for the podcast fan in your life. Heck, that could be you. We're not judging. Head to MaxFunStore.com now. That's MaxFunStore.com. And next we'll talk about another great Thanksgiving side, potato chips. Teresa, go on. No. No. Pumpkin pie. Now, listen, babe. I don't know if I count that as a side. That's a dessert. Well, it is now. It didn't start that way. Go on. So. I am in. You have me hooked. Now reel me in. We think of pumpkin pie as kind of like a creamy, custardy, spiced version, right? Yes. Of like a tart. But it didn't start that way. Um, In the, you know, the mid-17th, late 16th century, it was more like we would think of a meat pie, right? Where, you know, you think about how it's like a thick pastry casing. It's the actual, like, slices of the gourd of the pumpkin and probably also with, like, you know, apple or pear or some other kind of thing and cooked inside a pastry case that you probably didn't eat. So it was more like roasted squash than it was the pumpkin pie we think of. Interesting. That explains quite a bit yeah. to me uh, because on, if, if today, right, you were like, here's a list of things we had, assuming pumpkin pie didn't exist. And you say, here's a list of things we don't normally make pie out of. Which one would you pick? A pumpkin would not be my like first ten options. Yeah, because it's like it's not inherently sweet. Mm-hmm. It like there's not a t- like you have to process it first to even be able to work with it. Yeah, right. So it's not like strawberries or blueberries or raspberries where it's just like yeah, dump them in fresh. It's like no. In order to be able to do anything with it, first we have to like. Make it into a paste, basically. Yeah, so this was more like roasted squash. Mm. Um, like you would any other, like, summer squash or zucchini or, or gourds or, or things like that, right? Um, I think I'd rather make a cucumber pie. Really? I think you could do, like, a cucumber mint pie. Uh, that would be delicious. Mm. Th- make, do some jelly gin in there. Oh, boy. Um, okay. You know what I'm saying, though. It would be delicious. You wouldn't like it because you don't like cucumber. But I'm saying I've said it out loud now and basically making a like, uh, what do I think? Yeah, it's like a, uh, uh, not a mimosa. What's the one? A mojito? Like a mojito mm, pie? A mint and cucumber. Mint is, mojitos are mint. No, I said like cucumber, mint, and gin, but make it into a pie. Anyways, I'm anyway. going to work on it. Um, you mentioned sweet potato casserole. Now, your sweet potato casserole does not have the thing that really made sweet potato casserole aside. Because I would argue what you're talking about is sweet potato pie. Okay. Where that had the marshmallows on top, right? Yes. And that's really what it was made to do, right? So um, sweet potatoes have been a savory side dish, kind of just like roasted, right? Because you can roast sweet potatoes or bake sweet potatoes the same way you bake regular like white potatoes, right? Um, And you can mash them and people like to add like butter and herbs and even the, um, you know, the brown sugar, right? To sweeten it up. Um, Basically, I've made like mashed sweet potatoes before. I just swap out instead of salt, you sugar, and it's like a sweeter thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, And so that wasn't really what sweet potato casserole was until about the mid-1800s. It was about that time that candied sweet potatoes. Okay. So that's the process of, of 
boiling in sugar, right, candying, um, became popular. And then it wasn't until the beginning of the 20th century that the marshmallow was introduced to the the hot dish kind of comp- accompaniment. Now, here's the thing that I will say. They've missed a mark. Oh, really? Because if you're going to trick kids into eating something <laughs> by adding marshmallows, it should have been like green beans or broccoli or something like that, right? Because like the sweet, I know, listen, I know the face you're making, but I'm not talking about for us, right? I'm talking about for kids because sweet potatoes, already sweet, already delicious. I already you could do just a big kind of goop on their plate and they'll eat. And then you added marshmallows, too sweet. Now, I'll tell you one of my favorite sides, simple and easy, folks. Uh, basically caramelize some brown sugar and butter and carrots. Just throw baby carrots oh, in a pot. Oh, yeah, so good. Melt butter on top of it, add some brown sugar in there. You can even do it in a slow cooker. Oh, yeah, it's it's your dad's like favorite thing I yeah, make. Yeah, he loves that. And it's the simplest thing I make, too. It's just brown sugar and butter you and carrots. You don't even measure. You just Yeah, just, it in I there. just follow my heart. <laughs> Listen, I was raised by a Southern woman, and she was raised by a Southern woman, and I cook with my heart, by which I mean butter. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh next is green bean casserole which you mentioned earlier right um green beans again uh something very typically farmed in the united states from from way way back um and what happened was during the 1950s hot holiday dishes were very popular mm. after world war ii this was considered very celebratory right yeah well, because it's that idea of, like, having hot food, right? Exactly. Instead of, like, MREs, which are meals ready to eat or something where it's just, like, a tin that you pull open and eat. And so now you're home from the war and, and it's, it's home cooking, right? Right. And it felt very decadent because it was served piping hot and it was creamy. Um, and basically— Rockwellian. That was the—because we oh, talked about Rockwell. Yeah. Of that, uh, you know, the image of holding the Thanksgiving turkey and, like, mm-hmm. the steam. And, and the tray, yeah. Yeah, that idea. Also, it smells better when—stuff smells better when it's warm. Food smells more when it's warm. Uh, so in 1955, um, a home economic staff member at the Campbell Soup Company, Dorcas Riley— um, made this recipe, and it takes just 25 minutes. It is canned onions, well, canned dried onions, mm-hmm. uh, canned green beans, and Campbell's condensed cream of mushroom soup. That's it. Um, that is the recipe. And I have come across several, like, quote, imitation or healthy option or whatever it is. They never taste exactly the same. Um, you don't like it. A lot of people don't like it. I do like a, f- a few bitefuls, but I can't eat more than that because it is. I don't. I don't know what it is about it. It's kind of dense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is dense. That's that's what's off putting to me. Like most of the stuff. I and you know I just said I like mashed potatoes and I like. Uh, sweet potato stuff, but like it, that's not dense to me. If you make that stuff right, it's like fluffy and light, even mm-hmm. though it's rich. Anyways, I, the thing about um, green bean casserole to me, the version you described, is it is too dominating. Like to I don't know. Yeah, it's it doesn't. So it just for some reason, looking <laughs> at it visually, it doesn't vibe with me. Also, can I just say because you brought it up, unless you're talking about like allergies or intolerance stuff, anybody who talks about like 
eating on like Thanksgiving and holidays and eating in general about like healthy foods and not healthy foods. Right. Such a, like that's not how it works. Right. BB will watch videos and we have to sometimes like stop the video and be like, hey, that's not true. Where yeah. it's just like, oh, let's talk about the healthy foods like apples and lettuce. And let's talk about the not healthy foods like potato chips and cookies. And it's like, no, no, no. It's just some foods you can eat more of and some foods you have to eat less of, but they're not healthy or unhealthy. Like, yeah, food is amoral. It doesn't have good or bad exactly, attributes. Exactly. Food is food is fuel, and you have to fuel your body in a way that will make it run. That's what Anyone you have to do. Anyone who gives you a hard time about eating too much, uh, especially on a feast day, uh, they can get on out of here. You know what I mean? I don't need them at my Thanksgiving party. Get Hey, the <laughs> Macy's Day Parade is passing by. Why don't you get on one of those floats and get out of here? All right. Well, people loved the, uh, the green bean casserole that I just described so much that in 2002, the original recipe, the handwritten recipe card was donated to the National Inventors Hall of Fame along with things like Ibuprofen and the invention of the automobile and all that stuff. (laughs) That's a pretty big comparison. Listen, even just those three examples, like (laughs) green bean casserole, even if you love it, there's no way. I'm just saying it's all included. Okay, but hopefully in a different wing, right? Then it's not like those three things on a line of like, and here we see the greatest inventions of all time. The ibuprofen, the automobile, green bean casserole. Hopefully they're in different sections. Is all okay, that's all you're saying. Um, so now that I've gone through some of the, you know, the heavy hitters, I'd like to talk a little bit about some uh, submissions to a Twitter thread. Twitter user Maya Koskoff was the one who started a Twitter thread about her family's esoteric Thanksgiving dishes. Okay. Right? Here is one uh, from uh, November 23, 2019. Seafoam salad. It is an original, like, 50s recipe. Uh, so it's got lime jello. Okay. See, right off the bat, I was like, this sounds like ambrosia. It a little sounds bit. Like, uh, yeah. A little bit. It's got pears. It's got cream cheese. Um, it's got Cool Whip. Mm-hmm. Um, and you put the pears in the blender until it's like applesauce. Uh-huh. And you mix in the creamy and the jello, and it is... Something. It's I'm, something. I'm not going to lie. As soon as I heard that, my mouth started watering. Really? Yeah. So, the, like I said, Southern in me hmm. was like, yeah, all day long. Are you kidding me? That sounds refreshing. It sounds creamy. It sounds delicious. I love that. I don't know if that's something that I would enjoy on my Thanksgiving plate. No, I wouldn't have it at Thanksgiving. It is, and it is served as a side, not as a dessert. I would have that at a picnic, Fourth uh, okay, of July, sure. all day long. All day long. Um, the next one on this thread is a corn spoon bread. Okay. I know it's, well, I know spoon bread, but I often just interchange spoon bread and corn bread. Okay, sure. Uh, this one includes a can of corn, can of cream corn, stick of butter, sour cream, cornbread mix uh-huh. that you bake together for an hour. Um, and I mean, it sounds Pretty good. Yeah, what's not to like? Um, I mean, I feel like this is the kind of thing that I would see at like a Cracker Barrel, right? Like sure. served in its own little like 
skillet, like cast iron skillet. Yeah. Well, they at the at the Eagle downtown here in Cincinnati, they do spoon bread. Oh, okay. Well, not with, uh, I, mean, I don't think it has all the extra corn and stuff in it, but yeah, but it is like a cornbread. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't think that it has the kind of. Um, it might have too much other stuff in it to actually like cut the cornbread squares or whatever. Yeah. So one eats it with a spoon. Yeah, or you spoon it out, I guess. Or spoon yeah, it out of the, the dish. Pan. Yeah. yeah. Um, just here's a little secret. Another great way, as long as we're talking about like sneaking vegetables in, chop up some steamed uh, broccoli, bake it into your cornbread. Mm. It's delicious. Kids will eat it. Our kids eat broccoli without being. I mean, I'm sure. I'm saying if you need to sneak it in. Not, I not also, with your little angels. Without. I also don't believe in sneaking foods in. It doesn't count as exposing them to food if you sneak it what in. If, what if I'm talking to the person who needs to sneak it in for themselves? Okay. What if someone's funny. like, I can't eat broccoli, but I have to. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, here's one. Uh, frog eye salad. Okay. This one's a complete mystery. It's a me. mystery. It is a- Wait, can I guess? Okay. Okay. I'm going to say it includes like some kind of bean. Like a, a, a like a black eyed pea or a garbanzo bean or something like that. Interesting. No. Okay. Uh, it is made with very small pasta pieces, uh, a chini di pepe pasta, right? Okay. Tiny little circles that ha- are uh, usually kind of like jaggedy around the outside, maybe like star ish shaped, right? Um, with like mandarin oranges and pineapples uh, topped with marshmallows or whipped topping. Sometimes egg yolks are included in the recipe. It's another one of those like jello-y salads. Okay. Uh, it's that not something I'm used to. For me, but okay. Yeah. Interesting. There are a lot of those like salads in the Midwest that aren't salad, like, you know, salad like with like... See, that feels like more of a southern thing to me. Really? Well, when you're talking about adding jello to it, Mm -hmm. I don't know why that strikes me as southern, but like Midwest and North seems more like we added a bunch of mayonnaise to it. (laughs) Which I say without judgment, just fact. Just fact. Um, Here's one. uh, Tomato soup cake. Huh. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's here's the recipe from, I believe, 1955. Butter, sugar, flour, spices of uh, cinnamon, clove, and nutmeg, and then soup. That's, Tomato soup. That sounds up my alley. And then one frosts it with chocolate frosting. Ooh! Okay, yeah, that sounds good. So it seems kind of almost like a spice cake, right? Yeah. And I'm not exactly like carrot, sure. Almost. I'm not exactly sure what tomato brings to the party. Well, that's why I think because I was thinking I love fresh tomato. Oh, sometimes eat them like an apple, and I was like, well, why not just use fresh? But tomatoes and tomato soup. Tomato soup has a lot more like you know flavors and salt and stuff to it. Yeah. Where, to, listen, don't get me wrong. You can make a tomato cake and it's great. Uh, you make tomato cornbread and it's great. But I think that with the tomato soup. It's bringing stuff because it's got the spices right there in it. Or flavors. I I wouldn't say spices. Flavors. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm more like my tomato soup kind of uh, of savory, right? And I guess that some of those spices are savory. I mean, I guess clove and nutmeg. But that's what I'm saying is I think that this is the taking and turning where you're turning it into a like, you know, if you have a spice cake, right, where it's just like, yeah, the overriding factor or uh, the factor that wins out is sweet. 
but it's like 51%, 49%. You mm. know what I mean? I love I love to like rip up my grilled cheese and dip that We're not into talking soup about replacing so tomato I, soup forever. I know, I know. I this know. isn't a cake or pie question, babe. This is just saying, here's a different <laughs> way to do it. Here is one that uh, I am including because Alex is emphatic okay. about this. Poison. She, <laughs> she wanted to tell everyone about White Castle stuffing. Okay. Now, okay, we, we've talked about, like, the culinary difference between stuffing and dressing. It is actually a dressing that she's talking about. Um, and what it is My is, hesitance, by the way, is, like, White Castle, I think it's a Cincinnati-based yeah. uh, fast food place. Uh, I mean, mm, maybe Dayton? It's not Cincinnati, but it's like think. local. I mean, it's Ohio local, or it's 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 it is uh, Ohio and I think also Michigan. Now you're going to have to do yeah. a Google. Um, but anyway, so what she says is, if you take a regular dressing, right? It's usually like chicken broth and celery and salt and pepper and you know other add-ins next to bread, right? Pieces of bread. So. Basically, what she says she likes to do is take the sliders, about 10, she says, and uh, take out the pickles. She says, obviously, I kind of like pickles. So, I I mean, if it were me, I might keep them in. And then rip them up and use that as the bread base, right? Uh, Um, Apparently, by the way, White Castle was originally founded in Wichita, Kansas. Oh, Um, so it's a lot further west than we thought. And it's in uh, greatest presence in the Midwest and New York metropolitan area, which I wouldn't have expected. Great. Um, Oh, but its headquarters is in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Okay. All right. All over the place. Um, And so she says that it makes the best stuffing. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me because... The bread is very white and fluffy, mm-hmm. right? And also, uh, I believe White Castle in their um, the 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 meat part of the slider isn't it cooked with onions? I yeah. think it's got onions mixed in. That's great for for dressing. Um, and you know, she says it's her favorite, and everybody everybody loves it. I'm excited to try it. I mean, not this year. Because I wasn't planning on it. No, you aren't going to make it. But maybe I'll ask Alex to bring in some. Okay. Um, so that's going to do it for us. But the last thing I want to say is if you're, if whatever, just like with Friendsgiving, if you regularly eat a side dish on Thanksgiving, guess what? It's a Thanksgiving it's side It's a dish. Thanksgiving side now. Uh, that's going to do it for us. So uh, let's see. Uh, go check out all the great merch at Macroy Merch. Um, we want to say thank you to Alex, our researcher, without whom we wouldn't be able to make this show. We want to say thank you to Rachel, our editor, without whom we wouldn't be able to make this show. We want to say thank you to you for listening. We can make the show without you, but why? Why? Um, let's see what else. Uh, my brain is absolutely swimming. Well, let me do my bit. Okay. We always thank Brent Metalfloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla M. Wessel for her Twitter thumbnail art. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. Um, as always, if you have topics that you'd love to see us cover, if you have idioms that you would like to submit, please email us schmannerscast at gmail.com and make sure you say hi to Alex because she reads everyone. Um, We are doing Candle Nights virtually again this year. 
Uh, so make sure you come check that out. It's going to be December 17th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can get your tickets at bit.ly slash candlenights2022, candlenights2022. We're going to have lots of great guests and segments and all that stuff. And all the proceeds go to help Harmony House, uh, which is a shelter in our hometown of Huntington, West Virginia, helping people who are experiencing homelessness. You know, get those tickets now. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners. Schmanners. Get it. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.